Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Hello, everybody. You know, the official Senate website says filibuster is, quote, an informal term for any attempt to block or delay Senate action on a bill or other matter by debating it at length, by offering numerous procedural motions, or by any other delaying or obstructive actions, unquote. But often these days, filibusters are invoked without the senator having to actually stand on the floor and talk for hours on end, Mr. Smith goes to Washington style. They do paper filibusters now. But Rand Paul chose to do it the old-fashioned way. You've heard about this already, right? 13 hours of vocal cord and bladder strength, earning him the respect of much of Washington, whether or not they agree with his politics. His issue wouldn't seem controversial, whether the Constitution permits the U.S. government to use drone strikes against U.S. citizens on U.S. soil without due process in court if they are suspected terrorists. And this was not if someone was about to fly a plane into the World Trade Center. Of course they could then. This is more like if a suspected terrorist leader was sitting in a cafe in Newark, like targets are sometimes doing in places in Pakistan when they get hit. And because it's such a rare event, a real filibuster, We'll play a few montages today of Senator Paul's 13-hour stand and talk about the underlying uh, issue later in the show with a couple of guests. But here is a 47-second sampling of the 13 hours. I rise today to begin to filibuster John Brennan's nomination for the CIA. I will speak until I can no, no longer speak. I will speak as long as it takes until the alarm is sounded from coast to coast that our Constitution is rights to trial by jury are precious. The point isn't that anybody in our country is Hitler. That in a democracy, you could someday elect someone who is very I evil. I don't rise to oppose John Brennan's nomination simply for the person. I rise today for the principle. For another 12 hours to try to break Strom Thurmond's record, but I've discovered that there are some limits to filibustering, and I'm going to have to go take care of one of those in a few minutes here. (laughs) Senator Rand Paul, you know what he was talking about there at the end. More about the filibuster and the issue coming up. Right now, WNYC investigative reporter Robert Lewis. He teamed up with ProPublica for an investigation into the post-Sandy rebuilding loans being handed out to affected home and business owners. And they found that many of those federally subsidized loans, almost $800 million worth so far, are pouring into areas that are likely to flood again. Robert Lewis is here. Welcome back to the show. Hi. Good to be here. First of all, do you know if anything is flooding at this moment? One of the reasons we decided to uh, talk to you right at this time on today's show is because we thought we were going to be having kind of a different weather event than we seem to be having. But there is kind of a flood watch in effect in parts of Jersey. We're not hearing too, too much. I know uh, NJ.com has uh, reported some flooding up and down the New Jersey coast, but uh, it doesn't appear to be all that bad. And yet those are some of the same areas that got hit by Sandy. And you got to wonder, 
So you teamed up with ProPublica and found that as of mid-February, the Federal Small Business Administration approved more than 21,000 disaster loans worth $1.5 billion. Of those, at least 10,500 homes or businesses are in FEMA's new advisory flood zones. So at least $776 million is going to help rebuild in areas that are very likely to flood again. Yes. Did that surprise you? Uh, a little bit. I, I mean, th- there is a, a sort of a, a duh factor here, right? Like if you if you didn't live in a flood zone, you probably wouldn't have needed a disaster loan to begin with. Duh. Um, however, it, it does raise a larger philosophical question that a, a lot of people have raised, which is uh, to what extent should we be rebuilding and to what extent should we be subsidizing rebuilding in uh, areas that are just going to get hit again. And listeners, you can go to WNYC.org, click on Brian Lear Show to see the map that Robert and the ProPublica people uh, made and our data news team, which shows you where these loans have been made within the flood zones. Check it out at WNYC.org. Click on Brian Lair Show. So how do you get one of these loans? Do you have to build higher or better or something? Not necessarily. I mean, what you effectively do is it starts by going to FEMA, uh, sort of the normal aid process. And what FEMA does is they they effectively look at what you need and your uh, your level of income. And if if they determine that you don't necessarily qualify for a grant, they will often uh, basically kick you over or send you to the SBA. And at that point, you apply for a low interest loan that will help you rebuild either your home or your business. Um, and it's an, it's an intensive process. I mean, the SBA really does treat it like as if it was a mortgage loan. They, they go through your finances. They, they make sure you have collateral. Uh, they look at your credit history, all to determine that you can conceivably repay this loan. And it's a loan. It's not free money. That's correct. It's, it's, a, it's a 30-year term. Uh, for a homeowner, it's a, it's a little less than 1.7%. For a, a business, it's about 4%, I believe. So it's, it's very, very low interest, but uh, it is a loan. And here's why they will still do it in these areas and not always with new kinds of post-flood construction, according to the SBA. This is just a five-second clip of James Rivera from your piece, Associate Administrator in the SBA's Office of Disaster Assistance. You know, it's good government. I mean, basically, it's what the private sector won't do. So the private sector won't do it. But then how does the SBA explain the logic of offering these loans without specific rebuilding requirements? Because he's saying, in effect, uh, that this is going to be a money-losing proposition for insurance companies. And so we're taking it on with taxpayer dollars. Well, part of the issue in New York and in this area is that we are operating off of uh, some pretty old flood maps. So the SBA does require people to get flood insurance. If you're going to get a loan, you do have to get flood insurance. And and with flood insurance, you have to build to whatever basically the existing uh, flood elevation is. However, in New York, we're operating off of maps from 1983. And FEMA just put out new advisory flood maps, which, which have added a ton of properties to what they consider to be the flood zone and, and basically raised the heights that they recommend people build to. And so while there are some there are requirements that come with the SBA uh, loan. People aren't necessarily going to have to build as high as FEMA right. now says they should. And, and let me correct something I said, that they're doing this because the insurance companies won't. If these are rebuilding loans, it's really something that the banks won't. But why wouldn't the banks take risks on these things? Well, what they say is this is debt upon debt. 
right? Like these people generally will have mortgages. And so as, as it was explained to me, the banks are a little bit hesitant to be giving a loan on, to someone who already has a pile of debt. And, you know, in an area, obviously, there there may be a, a high rate of, of default. And there is a high rate of default, I should add. The SBA says that there is a 10% default rate on home loans, uh, a 15% to 20% on business loans, and about a 20% on this other sort of economic uh, type of loan they give to businesses. So here's a clip of a firefighter who bought his home on Staten Island in 2006, Nicholas Dorman, who was approved for a 192000 disaster loan from the SBA, talking here about why he would even want to rebuild. My kids are young, and that's all they know is home. And that's, that's the main reason. And it's mine. It was mine. It's why I worked hard for it. It's why I worked multiple jobs to save up for. It was everything I owned. It's everything I had. Home, mine. And that's why this, in some ways, is such a tough story, because on the one hand, you've got people saying, why are we subsidizing? Why are we helping these areas? And then you go out there, and you meet you know, people that are salt of the earth. You, you talk to people that have been through tragedies and they say, look, we did everything right. We, we bought flood insurance. Uh, we're asking for a loan. We're not asking for a handout. Um, why shouldn't we be able to rebuild? This is my home. This is what I worked for. Um, and it, there's a lot of people that sort of think they shouldn't rebuild, but there's a lot of people that don't actually want to be the ones to tell them that. I guess. And it would be pretty extreme in a way to force people in the zones to retreat. And abandon their homes, uh, like this firefighter, when they can rebuild them, at least for now. And, and as far as, you know, the SBA and FEMA are, are concerned, and they stress this point with me uh, again, is that, you know, they, they make these loans. They're helping communities. The decisions on rebuilding, the zoning requirements, that's a local decision. That's, that's something that the local governments have to decide for themselves. Um, and so that's something I, I know cities and, and governments on the local level are, are certainly grappling with. Um, and critics of this policy of allowing them to rebuild with publicly uh, funded loans are – anti-tax small government types, but also environmental advocates who question the wisdom of building back without a comprehensive plan for next time. Is this a powerful coalition? Well, it was described to me as a strange bedfellows coalition. Um, it's really groups that would never seemingly be aligned. And, um, you know, they are a pretty strong voice. I mean, I don't know to what extent we're going to see widespread uh, changes. I mean, there's already been some changes in terms of uh, the way we subsidize the the national flood insurance program and rates uh, are conceivably going to be going up to a certain extent. But, um, you know, they are coming at it from different points, but ultimately arriving at the same place, which is maybe it's not the best idea to be subsidizing development. Uh, to sort of undercounting the risk um, that it comes with living and building in these areas. Let's take a call from someone to whom this is probably personal, from the Rockaways, Sophia in Broad Channel. Sophia, thank you so much for calling in. You're on the air. Thanks. I'm currently displaced from Broad Channel. I come from a three-bedroom uh, house and am now living in a three-room apartment with my four, with the four of us. And my question is this. Our house is now worth nothing. I mean, you know, maybe maybe whatever the parcel of land is worth to whomever it is that wants to redevelop on, uh, in Bloomberg's, um, you know, in Bloomberg's uh, administration. Where are we going to go? We bought out there because we didn't have the money to go and buy in more expensive areas mm -hmm. to begin with, and we wanted to own our own home. We did everything that we were supposed to. We had flood insurance, homeowners insurance. Now I have to excuse me. I'm getting upset. Now I have to go through uh, fighting the insurance to get them to pay for 
the structural damage done to our home, where do we go? So if somebody were to argue, and of course it's extremely upsetting and people you know, like yourself, obviously are in this, you know, horrible position. And here you called in to say that your home isn't worth anything anymore. My goodness. We can't live in it. Right now, it had to be, it had to be supported. They had to put up supports to keep it from collapsing. And the bank wouldn't release the money that we needed to continue construction because we didn't do all the things that they had outlined because Mm -hmm. that wasn't included. And then the insurance is trying to tell me that everything from below the flood line is, is uh, not completely covered by flood because now they're telling me it's rain damage. This is ridiculous. Uh. I have to hire a public adjuster, pay him 10% of what uh, my settlement is to get the insurance companies to do what they're supposed to do. Where are we supposed to go? I feel I, I so badly for you, and this comes that. up so often with insurance policies. Oh, you're covered for flood damage, so you think you're covered, but oh, it it doesn't include wind damage, and they're saying this was a wind event, or you think your home wind. is covered, and uh, your basement isn't covered as part of that policy. There were some examples like that in the paper the other day. But Sophia, as difficult as it is, as a matter of policy, should the government be giving loans for people to rebuild then? on those same parcels of land where you say it's not even worth anything anymore? Right now it's not worth anything anymore because of this storm. We experience in Broad Channel flooding on a pretty regular basis because we are in a floodplain. And we were in Zone A. They're now trying to make us become Zone V. I disagree. None of the houses on my side of Broad Channel on the west side were washed away. Yet there are houses in Rockaway on the beach in Rockaway that were washed away, Mm -hmm. and yet they're not going to Zone V, but Broad Channel, which is a much less income, we have a much lower income level there. We are being uh, uh, challenged with the Zone V thing. Are you planning to or are you going to be required to rebuild in a different way because of that rezoning? We're all arguing about that right now because those maps are advisory, yet at the same time, when people are up for insurance renewals, they're being held to the Zone V mapping, Mm -hmm. the new flood zone mappings, which, again, the insurance company wants their payments when they want it, and we, if we don't pay it, then we're, we're defaulting on our agreement with our mortgagers, yet they, can, they make the rules and they break them and they change them at any time that they feel like it, and we just have to go along. Sophia, my heart goes out to you. Thank you for calling in. I know Thank you speak you. for a lot of people. Uh, and Robert, there it is in a nutshell, and she even referred to those new FEMA advisory flood maps, which, as she says, are still advisory and not finalized. Well, and I think it, she really highlights an, an important point, which is, People are really trying to do whatever they can, but they're confused. I mean, there is there is a lot of confusion out there. People don't know what they're supposed to do. They want to do the right thing. They'd like to, a lot of them, get back into their properties, but they don't know how high they should build. They don't know if they're going to get insurance. They don't know if they can afford it. And if they do, uh, you know, how much debt are they going to suddenly have and what's that going to do to their family? Um, so people are grappling with some really difficult decisions right now. What's the next step, real quick? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, really, I, I wish I, I wish I knew the next step. I mean, I think everyone's decide, tr- grappling with what is going to be the next uh, at a next policy step. level. Absolutely. All right, WNYC's new investigative reporter Robert Lewis. Thank you so much for digging into this. And again, listeners can see uh, the map 
of the affected areas uh, that Robert and our data news team and ProPublica made together of where these loans have been made, these Small Business Administration loans, within the new flood zones, wnyc.org. Click on Brian Lairshaw. Coming up next, Greg David from Crane's New York Business and the CUNY Journalism School with highlights of the debate he moderated yesterday among the Republican mayoral hopefuls. Stay with us. 